Well, it was an important night. It is a State of the Union address by the President of the United States, his first speech to a split Congress. And uh, when we want uh, good discussion, I call on my good friend, Dr. David Birdsell, Provost Kane University. And uh, nice enough to give us a couple of minutes on an important Tuesday. It is so good to have you, and it's such an important night, I think, for this country to hear what's going on. Couldn't agree more, Jay, and great to be here this morning. You know, so many topics, David, but, you know, I remember that first speech to Congress uh, where he vowed that the vice president would get it done. Talking about the job done, of course. The czar of the border on one end addressing the root causes of migration. I got to tell you, we know that she has gotten nothing done, my estimation, nothing. The surge keeps on a growing this year. The numbers are astronomical, the gotaways and everything else. Uh, I wonder what he will have to say regarding that situation. It's an excellent question. Uh, rumor has it that the Biden White House has a major order on the border, and that is to keep it out of the news. That has not been a successful effort, of course, but the question is whether it becomes a successful policymaking point. And that's a really challenging task in this environment. What we need, and we've talked about this many times, is comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, there's a lot that we need to talk about with regard to the processing of uh, asylum applications, with regard to border enforcement in a uh, strictly sort of physical sense, and with regard to the United States' continuing need for workers in a bunch of different categories that manufacturers and farmers and others will tell you are desperately necessary, but we haven't had any legislation to address in a meaningful way in decades at this stage, really since Simpson was only. So there's lots for us to think about and lots for this administration to wrestle with. What we need is a coordinated response, and in this political environment, we can be absolutely certain it's not going to happen. Well, that's troubling. 717,000, give or take, as far as the encounters. We're talking in the last 38 days to start this year. And uh, also uh, the Godaways, which is as troubling as anything, over 300,000 or so, as reported by uh, Customs Enforcement. And, And it's a major problem right now, major problem with the fentanyl and everything else these cartels are having their way in this country. Uh, he's got some answering to do, as well as Balloon Gate, David. Uh, there are massive questions here. He will spin it. And the biggest question is, if this balloon was spotted over the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, uh, why wait? Why wait until it got over Montana by a picture-taker civilian on the ground in order to accentuate uh, this horrific situation in many's, many minds? Uh, There are a lot of questions regarding this right now. There are a lot of questions, and those have to go back uh, several years because we've now discovered that there have been balloon overflights uh, going back at least to the very end of the Obama administration, all throughout the Trump administration, and this is the first that's really gotten attention. Uh, I think there are a couple of things that we can safely presume. One is that uh, under now three administrations that, Security officials have decided that there is relatively scant uh, prospect of damage from these overflights that can't be replicated in some way by low-Earth orbit satellites taking pictures, as they do, of course, every single second of every single day. Um, But also uh, trying to frame the question of U.S.-China 
confiscation and our own uh, information collection efforts in the South China Sea and over the actual territory of the People's Republic of China, uh, this may have been sort of a, uh, a mutual non-aggression pact for a period of time. That period is obviously over. And one of the major questions on my uh, mind at this stage is what the Chinese thought they were accomplishing by sending a highly visible device across the continent of the United States at this point in time. Uh, it's really quite a remarkable decision on the part of the leadership of Xi Jinping and, uh, and, and his cronies in China. Question: We have picked up the debris, and we will find out uh, for sure. Uh, but there are a lot of questions, including that of an aggressive uh, China at this point in time, who's kind of doing a reversal here of psychology, saying, hey, wait a minute now. Uh, why'd you shoot it down? What are you talking about? You don't believe us? So they're trying to give you a little reverse psychology in all this, and it's not working. No, it's not working at all. And it's it's a very thin veneer at this stage. Uh, very clearly, if the circumstances were reversed, uh, China would have had this balloon a long time ago. Um, but again, the question is what they thought they were trying to accomplish. I mean, is this an effort? Uh, I would have to think under any definition a clumsy effort uh, to make Americans think that, uh, or to remind Americans that China is out there and watching. Uh, is it actually an effort to gain information that they can't glean from uh, satellite uh, data? Um, is it an effort to try to intimidate the United States in some way? Uh, if so, again, a very clumsy and curious way to go about that. There should be no mistake, though, that China is in a much more aggressive posture under Xi Jinping than it has been uh, since Chairman Mao uh, in the 1970s. Uh, and that this is a, a, a very, very volatile and dangerous situation. And I have, I have been, and we've talked about this before for uh, many years now, very worried about the China uh, China's weaponization of archipelagos in the South China Sea, uh, the building of air bases on those same archipelagos, the assertion of Chinese territorial rights over areas that are very clearly under international law, the territorial rights of many nations, including Indonesia, Vietnam, the Philippines, others, um, and that this expansionist agenda uh, is deeply worrisome and, and a clear peak priority for U.S. foreign policy and defense efforts at this time. Their blatant approach from an aggression standpoint, you could see it elevating over the years, uh, especially when it comes to the United States and South Korea uh, getting together on their military operations. Just the the, the blatant uh, situation regarding Taiwan, how they go about their business, China. Hong Kong from years back, the bullying approach, it, it is a brazen chi at the controls, and I think one of the main reasons it is so out there is because they see how this administration has operated. Listen, I go back to the botched withdrawal in Afghanistan with our 13 service members that were killed. That, to me, kind of set a tone of policy regarding the Biden administration. Well, I, I think I think there's some truth to that, Jay. But I think that we also have to go back to the beginning of the Xi Jinping regime, which predated uh, President Biden by many years. I mean, we're talking about somebody who took office in uh, 20, uh, 2012. Uh, so this is a, a, a long while. 
Um, and uh, I, I remember very keenly because I was actually in China uh, teaching a class at a university in the western portion of that country uh, when the first uh, uh, opening salvos of the uh, the Hague Convention uh, arguments against China's claims in the South China Sea uh, were were going on, and Xi Jinping was very clearly indicating his interest in flouting international law at that time. Uh, long before uh, Joe Biden was there, this was still during the Obama administration. He did it throughout the Trump administration. Uh, the Trump administration talked a big act, but actually did nothing uh, to stem the growth of China's military power, their ability to acquire uh, artificial intelligence tools, and to develop, by some me- measures, faster than the United States in that arena, uh, to weaponize those technologies uh, in a variety of ways that are concerning to develop hypersonics, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it's actually the Biden administration that has uh, moved successfully so far uh, to deprive them of access to the advanced uh, microchip technologies that can help uh, continue that acceleration. And now that has been substantially stanched, at least for the time being, and until they find workarounds. But remember that this administration, too, has very successfully coordinated a multi-party allied defense of Ukraine. And this has to be looming very large in the calculations of Xi Jinping and his ministers uh, as they think about what to do with Taiwan, because they have seen the West stand united against Russian aggression in Ukraine. Uh, If the Biden administration does nothing else, standing up that alliance, reasserting the prominence of NATO and its effectiveness as an active defensive alliance, uh, is an enormously important hedge against Chinese aggression uh, and clearly requires them to behave differently, uh, even if they don't change their end goals. To a point, uh, because I think we have to somehow keep that going, defending Ukraine, especially if there is any additional dollars being contributed to Putin and this evasion from uh, Xi Jinping. So, in essence, in that regard, uh, I do believe there is more animosity as far as what is being into, uh, as far as how they're looking at things, uh, without question. Um, But with that being said, I do think that Joe Biden could have done a little bit more and and still can as far as getting together with some of these other, other NATO countries and somehow forcing a meeting of Vladimir Putin uh, into some sort of negotiation here uh, because we're coming upon the one-year anniversary of this invasion, David. Oh, we are, uh, just days away. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more that this is uh, an absolutely vital concern that we continue to uh, to protect Ukraine against Russian aggression. Uh, it is a, I mean, we, we really think about this on a historical scale. It's remarkable. Uh, this is territorial violence in Europe that we thought we'd put to rest with the Second World War. And uh, lo and behold, here we are once again on very much the same terms and invoking on the Russian side, particularly very much the same terminology of Nazis and uh, these totally fictitious bogeymen that he has ascribed uh, to the Ukrainian leadership, uh, which, which is, is frightening and uh, something that should concern all of us each and every day as we look at this uh, at this problem unfolding. Uh, but how to get people to the negotiating table at this stage is a real curiosity. Uh, it's very clear that Mr. Putin is willing to sacrifice uh, hundreds of thousands, current estimates are 
200,000 and up or dead and, uh, and, and injured uh, on the Russian side of the ledger uh, in this catastrophe. Um, and he's willing to do more. Uh, he has very clearly indicated, and his ministers have very clearly indicated, that they are interested in putting uh, untrained soldiers out as uh, basically as, as bait uh, for Ukrainian weaponry, uh, and that they will exhaust their weaponry. This is the hope. We, 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 we on, in the West would like to think that we'll be able to resupply them so that this won't happen, but exhaust their weaponry on uh, killing untrained soldiers so that the trained soldiers are still available to fight. And it's really remarkable. What brings Mr. Putin to the table? He said that he needs to have the four provinces that he declared part of Russia and passed resolutions to make part of Russia legally in the minds of Russia, not in any other nation of the world, uh, and uh, to continue to hold Crimea. Um, that is an unacceptable set of conditions for the Ukrainians and should be. Uh, that aggression would be rewarded by basically ceding 20% of your country. Um, so what, what, what gets us there? Uh, and frankly, I don't have an answer to that question at this point. Uh, it's plain that uh, uh, we're, we're not talking about a humanitarian situation that will persuade Mr. Putin. We're not necessarily talking about diplomatic concessions. We're, it's the question of uh, Ukraine's membership in NATO has been off the table for almost 10 years. Uh, so, I mean, what is it that gets them there? I don't know. Uh, it's certainly humanitarian is not part of the verbiage of Vladimir Putin, especially when he's firing missiles at maternity wards and executing people in the streets, innocent civilians. Uh, so I don't know what does either. Uh, Dave Burso with us. A couple of minutes, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Provocane University, State of the Union tonight. Very important, very important watch tonight. Third piece of business for me, David, will be the economy. Uh, recession, no recession, depending on what you believe. Uh, he will no doubt tout the amount of jobs that were added, according to the job report that came out last week. And, of course, unemployment ticked down to 3.4%. Uh, percent. Uh, I look at it as uh, a lot of struggles for a lot of Americans. I look at the gas prices high, 44%, 44 cents higher uh, over the last month. I look at still, you know, the price of eggs. Seven sixty-two for me for a carton of eighteen the other day. Uh, I look at uh, all that's gone on with this administration. Uh, the thirteen trillion give or take in spending uh, since he took office. Fourteen billion going to climate uh, situations as far as what he wants to get done. Uh, I look at the American Rescue Plan that really kind of slowed the reopening by discouraging the return to work. Pumped in a lot of cash, borrowed cash into this economy, thus the historic jumps in inflation. And, uh, you know, he called it transitory. We can go on and on and on here. We know inflation raged past 9% last year at one point. Promised to get prices under control. It is not getting done. The Fed Reserve will continue to raise the rates. I mean, this is a very important topic to many, David. Oh, it's a very important topic, and uh, we, we have the opportunity to pull lots of data to support varying positions. But I come down to uh, uh, the following uh, core fact at this stage, that inflation rose through the first half of this year. It has been staying steady at about 2%, with lots of spikes in particular areas in that time since. Uh, when you bought your 18 eggs, the biggest problem there is avian flu, uh, that we have chickens dying on masse. 
uh, all across the country and actually around the world. Um, so it's very hard to get eggs these days, but it has really nothing to do with government policy uh, or larger economic conditions. It has to do with the shortage of chickens uh, who are actually able to survive and lay their eggs. Uh, that will pass at some stage, we hope. And there's a concern that we need to note there just for, I hope not, a future conversation about the possibility that that avian flu jumps to human transmissibility. Uh, and that is a major concern at this stage. But as we look at this job market, it's remarkable. Uh, we are seeing lower unemployment than at any point since the 1960s. Uh, and that is a, a, a major achievement for this administration. Uh, if they did things to slow that down, it clearly hasn't bent the curve of uh, job creation success that we've seen. And as we look at the deficit, which people should be concerned about, uh, it's about $30 trillion. It's about the size of the economy overall, which is the largest percentage share since World War II, and everybody should be worried about that. Uh, but at the same time, when we look at the reasons for that, it's about equally split. If we go back to the beginning of the century, uh, the reasons have to do with uh, largely Republican presidents, I'm thinking of George Bush and Donald Trump, uh, starving the revenue stream by cutting taxes, uh, and then taking on uh, military adventures without paying for them, and then Democratic presidents, and I'm thinking of Barack Obama and Joe Biden, uh, who are spending without having raised taxes uh, to cover all of the proposed spending that they undertook under the American uh, Reinvestment and Recovery Act for Barack Obama uh, and the Affordable Care Act. All Much of that is paid for by additional taxes in the, in the nature of the bill. Uh, and then the uh, American Rescue Plan that you just mentioned. So it's about it's about even. Uh, it's about fifteen trillion each for those uh, for those two uh, two parties. Um, and so the the responsibility goes back to two thousand, uh, give or take. Um, the question is, do we have the stomach as a people to look at this rationally and Try to make adjustments, whether that is deriving more income in the form of revenue, whether that's taxes or some other approach to gaining government revenue, or if it's all budget cutting and budget cutting in areas. We know that the Republicans are saying at the stage that they want to have a rational budget as a condition of increasing the debt, the debt ceiling. Um, but they were unwilling to negotiate about a rational budget when they were actually voting for the spending bills that got us to this situation in the first place. Uh, we, we need to have a major conversation uh, nationally about where we're going, take the kind of Sturm and Drang out of this, and make this a conversation about how it is that we situate the American people and our economy for best success over the coming generation. No, you're right, 100%. 100%. Uh, and when I bring up the eggs, I mean, that's just an example. I mean, you're right. The avian flu has contributed, but certainly, you know, when it comes to butter, milk, steaks, uh, cold cuts, uh, fruit, I mean, this is every everything is elevated. Everything is elevated based on what we're seeing as far as our shopping is concerned. Uh, so, in essence, you know, it's a problem that he has to tackle, and we don't know. Gas is up. You know, I, I can't. Listen, supply, demand, supply, demand. That has a lot to do with it. There's no question. Um, final thought for me is, you know, 58% of Democrats do not want this man to run again in 2024. And I'm just wondering, will he find a blurb uh, in the speech to let out that he will run in 2024 in your estimation? 
I very much doubt that he will do that tonight. Um, I think that he will uh, either declare himself a candidate or not sometime during the spring of 2023. Uh, but I very much doubt that he'll do that in the State of the Union address. He'll want to focus on policy and he'll want to see what the reaction is uh, to whatever it is that he talks about in terms of what he's accomplished uh, in his mind, in the administration's mind, and how that contrasts with the credit that Americans give him for that. It's close to two-thirds of Americans who believe that the Biden administration has done little or nothing uh, since taking office in January of 2021. Um, and that is a perception that uh, doesn't give you a lot of hope for a successful presidential campaign in the coming year. So he's got to see if this speech has the capacity and, of course, the coverage of the speech. You've got to remember that a small number of people will actually watch this speech. I mean, it'd be several million, of course, but it's not going to be the tens of millions that you need to drive popular opinion. So it will be how the speech is covered in the news cycle. Uh, it will be what people talk about, whether this is an agenda-setting speech for several news cycles to come. Um, and all that is up in the air, and that's going to be one of the reasons that I and others are going to be watching the speech tonight to try to think about how this creates space or, or, or doesn't for the Biden administration, both politically and practically, as they try to navigate this very, very difficult and hotly contested, highly fractious political environment uh, that makes it very difficult to get any policy done and to get any credit for it if you actually do get those policies done. Everybody should make it their business to tune in if they can, because it really affects all, whether it be the inflationary situations that exist, whether it be security as far as the world and safety and China and what he has to say, and, of course, our border, which to me is, is prior one with all that's going on as far as these drugs coming into this country and killing people. Uh, it is an important speech to note, without question. You and I will be watching, I hope others as well. Uh, the great David Birdsell, Provost Kane University. Uh, sir, always a pleasure, and we look forward to the next time. Thanks for having me, Jake.